2: Avito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael.
0: To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie, because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg
3: News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world.
5: In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take D.C. on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
2: This is the best of
6: The Doug Gottlieb Show on Fox Sports Radio. Boom! What up, America? Doug Gottlieb show, Fox Sports Radio. Here we go. Football season is here. Congratulations to Clay Travis. Man, did he nail that pick of the Naval Academy last night, huh? Really, really impressive. I love it. I love teasing my boy Clay. Oh, music. All I have to do is pick the opposite of the picks... You know, not run a fever the way we were running a fever last year, and I get myself on a gambling show. Can we do that? Can we figure out a way in which we can do that? That would be that would be great. That would be splendid. Splendid. I'm teasing. I kid because I care. Um, anyway, I, I've been listening to, I took yesterday off, but listened to a ton of radio, watched a ton of TV. BYU 55 to 3. Man, the Y is back. Watching games with no fans in the stands is weird, but it is still football. It is on TV, and we are two days away from the kickoff of the NFL season. Deshaun Watson, new contract, will play against Pat Mahomes, biggest contract in the history of professional sports. Speaking of contracts, running back Alvin Kamara and the New Orleans Saints are reportedly extremely close to a lucrative contract extension, sources tell Shefty. The two sides are hoping to finalize a new deal in the next few days. That would silence any trade speculation, sources told ESPN. Okay. All right. Well, look. Um, let's see what the final dollar figures are. The 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 word lucrative makes you think that it's a groundbreaking Chris McCaffrey sort of deal. The problem with that is that would be the dumbest thing that the Saints could possibly do, right? Not because Alvin Kamara is not a tremendous player, but in the context of the conversation, like half the number of catches as Christian McCaffrey, he has been hurt. McCaffrey is not. And he has not proven himself to be nearly the -the in-between-the-tackles back that McCaffrey is. McCaffrey is three backs in one. Kamara is a specialty back, but an explosive home run hitter of a specialty back. They're they're different types of football players, um, but here's the Saints team that was thirteen and three last year and is clearly, clearly all in. I mean, just clearly, completely, and totally all in. And if you look at their too deep, you know they went and got Emmanuel Sanders. Of course, was with the Broncos, then the Niners last year. Uh, Tracon Smith is their third wide receiver. Jared Cook is uh, their their tight end. Like that is a nasty, nasty lineup. But I was thinking about the comparison in one NFC 13 and three team and another NFC 13 and three team, and it could not be more uh, bipolar, right? Jordan Love will be third on the Packers depth chart to start the season behind Aaron Rodgers and Tim Boyle. Boyle rules. Since 2009, when the Saints won the Super Bowl, and it should be pointed out that when the Saints won the Super Bowl, they then went through uh, Bounty Gate, and that hurt them, but also their defense sucked. Part of that is Bounty Gate. It hurt them. The Saints are 113-63. and The Packers, during the exact same time frame, 11 seasons, 113-61-2. and It's pretty amazing, right? That's when they won the Super Bowl. In the time since, the Saints have made six total playoff appearances, one NFC championship game. Obviously, the last three years have ended in some form of controversial ending. The Packers are 113, 13 61-2. Kind of the same record. Eight total playoff appearances, one Super Bowl, two NFC championship games. By the way, one which they absolutely gave away, Aaron Rodgers playing with a torn calf. So they, they both have an NFC championship game to their name that they feel like they could have won. They both have playoff games if they feel like we're gonna kind of robbed from them. One has a Super Bowl, one does not. They have essentially the same record. They both have historically great quarterbacks. What is the difference in in, in their decisions they have made? That's really what it comes down to. Because um, when you look at, you know, they go and get Cesar Ruiz, a center from Michigan, with their 24th pick. Now, that's really high for a center, but why do you draft a center at that particular spot? Why? Well because you want to win now. You reach for a need when you want a player to, 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 to you want to make a play now. Like center, you're not having a backup center, be your center. Your center is your center. And Cesar Ruiz comes in and um, he's, uh, he's been moved to guard, but he's going to start right away. Then you look at the Alvin Kamara contract and you start to realize, Hey, this is two different ways of doing things. The Packers, yes, they want to win now, but they also plan for the long term. Jordan Love's a year away from being a year away. He is a futures play. And though they've done a better job of reaching outside the organization to bring guys in over the past couple of years, the fact is that the Packers continue to build to be good as long as possible, whereas the Saints seem to want to be, seem to want to be great right now and not care at all. Not care at all. Right. Is that is that a fair? is Is that fair to point out? Of course it is. So I look at things and. I think my dad had an expression or it was an expression that he used, which is there's there's many ways to skin a cat. I don't know how that became an acceptable phrase. Right. My daughter's a cat lover. I can't imagine anybody saying skinning a cat in today's society without somebody complaining to PETA. But there is, in fact, a bunch of different ways to skin a cat if you understand what the expression means. There is. There's more than one way to build a winner. Generally, what you want is a quarterback under rookie control. Build up the entire roster around him. If you're going to spend, spend while they're on a rookie contract. And then once they become a max contract guy or a franchise caliber quarterback, then you have to load up again through the draft and through the numbers. That's what the Packers have tried to do. The Saints have done a little bit of that. They've done a little bit of this, a little bit of that. Take guys out. They've, they've done whatever it takes to be competitive now, 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 now. Where the Packers have, hey, we're going to be good. We want to be good for a long time. And then we have Aaron Rodgers who can make us great in those, one, in those rare moments. I, I don't, I'm, not, I'm not criticizing this. I'd be, uh, let's see what the final bill is for Alvin Kamara. Let's look at what the final bill is for Alvin Kamara. And then once we see what the final bill is for Alvin Kamara, then we'll find out if, in fact, they overpaid. Because if it's anywhere in the neighborhood of Christian McCaffrey, it's a ridiculous contract. And and I think some of this has just been negotiated through the media. Hey, we might want to trade him. That sounds like the, the team getting ticked. Oh, my gosh, it's a long-term lucrative deal set to be announced in a couple of days. They're really close. That seems like the agent. But the truth is that The reason you have these negotiations and you're willing to overspend and go over the cap, remember the story of the weekend was their attempt to have some sort of sign and trade with Jevion Clowney and the the Jacksonville Jaguars. The only reason you're willing to do that is because you're in win-now mode. And not everybody's in win-now mode. Obviously, Jacksonville's in tank mode. Jets are in build mode. But the, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, the New Orleans Saints, the Seattle Seahawks, like these are in win now mode. What's curious is the Packers want to win now, but they want to win tomorrow. They want to win the next day, and the next day, and the next day, and the next day. There's different modes and different ways to um, remember the expression: "skin a cat." So personally, I'm not at all surprised that the Packers, Jordan Love, who didn't play well last season, didn't have an off-season training program with the team didn't have OTAs in rookie camp, minicamp, is struggling to pick up everything it takes to be an NFL quarterback since he was described to me as being a year away from being a year away. But I think also empirically it gives us evidence or it gives us empirical evidence that the Saints and the Packers have very different ways of attacking the same problem. How can we be good? The Saints want to be great now. The Packers do too, but they want to be able to be good for a long time as well. Coming up next, the Clippers got the win last night to take a 2 games to one series lead. I'll tell you who the Clippers remind me of in the NFL.
2: Be sure to catch live editions of the Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific, on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is and you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the
7: win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex.
2: If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty, Sports Scandals.
6: Do 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 do, 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 do. Mm, mm, mm. Um, <laughs> there's a uh, there's an expression, or there's a there's a Saturday Night Live skit where Alec Baldwin plays Donald Trump and he talks about apologizing. Have you guys seen that one? You know, it's weird. Like I I I have this is full disclosure. I have never watched. A Saturday Night Live live, never in my life. Is that weird? Music? Have you have you watched a Saturday Night Live live? Um, oh, that's right. Music's music's working uh, from the home office. Wait, uh, what, what? What about you, uh, uh, John Ramos? Have Have you watched a Saturday Night Live live? Yeah. Yes. Yes, I have watched it many times live. at Eleven really? thirty. Yeah. Pacific time. I've never done that. I don't know why. I think I, I would guess, it's just a guess, that on a Saturday night, um, on a Saturday night, I... You probably had more to <laughs> more to do than I did, Doug. No, like, look, it sounds glamorous, but I would say, like, either I go out or uh, I go to sleep, right? Um, and obviously, you know, the last couple years, couple years with streaming stuff, maybe you're watching a show or watching a movie... Byer, you yeah you were single for a long time, so I'm I don't know I, yes. I don't know what that I don't know and, what that lifestyle is like. So <laughs> what I would also say this there's a difference between watching Saturday Night Live
0: on the East Coast or in the Central Time Zone, as opposed to watching it on the West Coast because, in my single days when I was living in the Midwest. Obviously, like on a college football weekend, you would still have college football going on when Saturday Night Live was on. So you weren't watching it live. But it's different out here. My wife loves it. And so every Saturday night, if we're in bed, she'll be, you know, you know, turn on SNL. Even if it's reruns, she'll she'll turn it on. But it is different on where you live uh, on what's going on, especially when you're a sports fan, because when it's 1130 out on the West Coast, there's usually not games going on.
6: Right. Um I, it's, it's interesting. So I have, I don't want, I've watched Saturday Night Live start to finish like ever, ever. And I, I respect the fact that it is live and it's hard to be funny every week. And as much as they're writing things, like sometimes I've, when I have watched bits and pieces of like, sometimes it's not as funny as, so when you watch on clips, it's really funny. You're like, man, because it's a lot like listening to oldies radio. Which, by the way, you know you're feeling old when, like, music that you grew up with is on Oldies Radio now. Like, what in the hell is going on? <laughs> you know? I was listening to K-Earth 101, yeah. and all of a sudden they had uh, they had Red Hot Chili Peppers on. I was like, wait, what? I know. I thought, <laughs> I thought like, Oldies was, like, doo stuff. Yes. You know? <laughs> yes. Yes, that's what I thought. But now, like, you're like, wait, that was borderline. Feels like I'm going to lose. My, I was like, "Man, that Madonna song was hot." I was like, "Yeah, those <laughs> are in second grade." I was traveling around in Wayne Marino's truck going to basketball camp. I remember, borderline anyway. So, um, that's interesting. You, you, I, some people watch it, some people don't. There, there's a, a Baldwin does a really good Trump, and what's ironic is Baldwin is a super super lib, right? Making fun of, uh, of Donald Trump and of course the character he plays and 30 rock is a super conservative guy but he talks about he uses the term apologize right which is like trump doesn't really want to apologize he wants to apologize i don't necessarily know if we know we need to apologize or apologize to bill o'brien but one of the two are probably in order the cardinals today announced and bayer has this story They've agreed to terms with DeAndre Hopkins, two-year extension, $54 million in new money. The new deal amounts to $27.25 million per year for Hopkins in 23 and 24. In other words, um, they just, you know, they they added on two years to the contracts. The next two years of the same money. Right? The next two years of the same money. Deshaun Watson and the Texans over the weekend agreed to a four-year, $156 million extension, $39 million annually. Slots is the second-highest-paid quarterback in the league, Earlier in the offseason, Laramie Tunsell and the Texans agreed to a three year sixty six million dollar extension. It includes fifty million dollars in guarantees. So it's 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 obvious on a couple of things. Now tell me the little buyer, I need your help on this one. There's there's no ability to uh, franchise tack him at the end of this, correct? That's correct. So my read on it is not only did he want new, more money, top-of-the-market money, but he also wants the ability to be on the market as a free agent again in four years with no with no no ties to Arizona. So Arizona is paying him. They're renting him for four years, what you would think are the four last four prime years of his career, and he obviously thinks that he has another big contract in him. Is that, that a good read? I think that's a good read. But if Bill O'Brien knows or believes he knows what DeAndre Hopkins is, and I think, you know, some of DeAndre Hopkins' work ethic was called an issue by Bill O'Brien. Maybe some of that uh, motivates DeAndre Hopkins now, although generally you sign a four-year deal with all that guaranteed money. You are who you are. You're not changing once you get a big check. That doesn't generally happen. Um, O'Brien obviously soured on DeAndre Hopkins, while understanding getting rid of him was the only way to keep Watson and Tunsil and make sure that they were all well compensated. Take a listen to Bucky Brooks earlier today when I asked him if all the criticism Bill O'Brien has received as GM is warranted.
8: Bill
10: O'Brien kind of creates a, a storm on Twitter just because of his personality, and it appears that he doesn't know what he's doing. And look, it's tough to be the head coach and the general manager. But this is what happens when the quarterback is about to get paid. When Deshaun Watson is about to get $40 million a year, it now becomes about the quarterback, and you have to have cheap talent around him so that he can do what he does. Because your expectation is, I'm writing this big check to Deshaun Watson to make everybody better. I'm going to say this actually addition by subtraction, because I think we're going to get a better version of Deshaun Watson than we've ever seen.
6: Hmm, Give me a better version of Deshaun Watson than we've ever seen. Wow. That's fascinating to me. Because what happens is you stare down that guy. He's the guy. I know he's the guy. And now you actually have to read the whole field. Now you actually have to find who's open. I, it's very challenging to Sean Watson. I don't think any of us, any of us for a second believe that it's uh, the, 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 that that's not, you know, not a challenge, right? It, it is good to just throw a ball up to a guy and have him go get it and make you look good. Right. Kurt Warner's talked about that when they went to the Super Bowl and Larry Fitzgerald was on his team. People forget Larry Fitzgerald that year just made plays and Kurt, when things were bad, he just like threw it up to Larry and Larry just went and made a play. It was that good. But one Hopkins is it, obviously I don't think Bill O'Brien thinks he's there anymore. And secondly, Deshaun Watson isn't in that place where he needs, he needs that binky. He needs that, 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 that safety net, and then lastly, and maybe most importantly, none of this all works together. If you have DeAndre Hopkins wanting that new deal, Watson getting a new deal, Larry Tunsil getting a new deal, even if you could make it work, the process of trying to make it work when they didn't have a good relationship probably not all not not great. You would have to overpay them, and they're not in that position. Four out of the last six years, Texans have made the playoffs. One of the years they didn't make the playoffs, Deshaun Watson was hurt. They're uh, a, they're a consistent playoff team, which in the NFL is all you could ever hope for, truthfully. Truthfully, and with Jacksonville being bad, still not knowing, you know, they're they're in they're just in tank mode. Indy's still searching for their next quarterback. Tennessee, yeah, okay. Right? You have the premier quarterback in your division that almost always bodes well for your future. I just, I feel like Bill O'Brien, though he hasn't made the best deals and maybe he's gotten a little bit snookered. Like, where was the discussion about this with Ryan Pace and the Bears when he traded for Khalil Mack? Where, where was that discussion? Or that he massively overpaid Khalil Mack? That didn't happen. Why? Well, because Ryan Pace wasn't the head coach. So he must know what he's doing. And I actually do think Ryan Pace knows what he's doing, even if they missed on the Mitch Trubisky pick in comparison to Sean Watson, in comparison to Pat Mahomes. But uh, the, the the criticism is not just unwarranted, but unfair. It wasn't like he didn't shop DeAndre Hopkins. He got the best possible offer. Oh, no, no. I didn't sign it to the, sell it to the highest bidder. Whoever said that. Coming up next... You'll see a trend with top college football players and NFL teams don't seem to like it. Don't believe me? I'll share it with you upcoming next. But first, how much is your personal information worth to cyber criminals? Researchers have compli- compiled an overview of uh, the average price of stolen personal data for sale on the dark web. While online banking log- logins cost an a- on average thirty five dollars, the range of documents and account details needed to commit identity theft cost around. $1,285. The bulk of stolen information comes from large-scale data breaches. You put your information in so many places online. Unfortunately, cyber criminals around the world keep finding new ways to steal identities. Norton LifeLock has given you more protection than ever. Norton 360 with LifeLock provides all-in-one protection with device security, identity theft protection, and a VPN for online privacy. If you have identity theft problem, a U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. No one can prevent all cyber crime and identity theft or monitor all transactions in all businesses. But Norton 360 with LifeLock is a powerful ally for your cyber safety. So sign up today and save 25% off or more on your first year by going to Norton.com Doug. That's 25% off Norton 360 with LifeLock at Norton.com Doug.
2: Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com and within the iHeartRadio app.
7: There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events.
6: Um. Hmm. You, you know, I, I I saw this and it's it's <laughs> there's videos of this uh, circula- uh circulating, um, and it's uh, it's pretty interesting. Uh, this is Pat Beverly after the win last night talking about Nikola Jokic. He
10: presents the same thing Doncic Don presents, uh, Luca presents a lot of flailing. You know, puts a lot of pressure on the referees to make the right call. So.
6: This was Mike Malone, head coach of the Nuggets, earlier today responding to Beverly's comments.
8: If Kawhi Leonard was talking. Maybe I might listen to it. I mean, Kawhi's a great player. But all you got to do is look at the stat sheet. Uh, Zubat attempted more free throws than Nicole Jokic. They shot 26 free throws. We shot 10. So I'm not really sure what, what and Patrick is talking about or looking at. But, you know, I, I really don't, you know, warrant and give too much attention to that.
6: So I I look at it and I I think to myself, hold on. I mean, it's kind of undeniable that Jokic does flail and flop, right? Like we're not, we're we're okay admitting that, aren't we? We're we're all okay sitting here going like, I, I saw one of the fouls on Montrez Harrell, where it was a foul, but. It wouldn't have been called had Jokic not totally sold it. Like massively over. He was going to set a screen. He got bumped a little bit. And you he, he would think he got hit by a truck, like a dump truck. So um, I, I'll sit there and go, man, I don't, I don't know. I kind of feel like, and I could be wrong, could be wrong. But nothing that Patrick Beverly said is out of line. Now, could he have said, he's a, like Luca? he's a tremendous player? Yes. And he also didn't say he flails. He didn't say the flop word, flails a different one. And he said he puts pressure on it. And, and by the way, James Harden does the same thing. They got to find a way to fix this in the NBA. They got to make the fine stiffer. And, oh yeah, by the way, you know some of this is you got to call the offensive out. James Harden, absolutely, he's masterful at creating contact. He just drives right into guys. And, you know, if you're a referee, like, I don't want to call an offensive foul and then Like, I don't want to stop the game. But, dude, then you end up getting, you know, then any time he gets bumped, you'd think he gets killed. So it's a it's a hard game to officiate. I I thought I think Mike Malone saying if, if Kawhi Leonard's talking, that's absolutely a slam. And then protecting his player and whatever. It's a little uncalled for. I don't know. Bring on Labor Day with Lowe's, pick up four bags of premium mulch for just $10. And kick off fall with a huge savings from Lowe's. Pricing valid through 9/9 in-store only while supplies last. Selection and prices vary by market. US only excludes Hawaii and Alaska. Why can't why can't Alaska get some mulch? I don't really understand that. You know, like look, the the two guys who I think actually we give credit to Steph Curry for influencing the NBA with the, the the shots that he takes. Should be point out Gilbert Arenas was taking some of those shots before Steph Curry. But from Manu, Manu Ginobili popularized this and then Reggie Miller kicking out his legs. Th- those are the two guys I think should be credited with creating contact, if you will. Um, you know, like a lot of times we do this thing. I think parody has kind of an interesting fashion has arrived in the NBA. That's one of my big takeaways in watching the playoffs is we were a little bit out of alignment for a long time. You know, we were a little bit out of alignment for a long time and we were out of alignment because two stars is reasonable. Two stars with a young up and comer or with a guy who's more of a star role player like that in this salary cap era seems to work. And it kind of look. It started with the Boston Celtics. They got three. They had Paul Pierce was there. They got Garnett. They got Ray Allen. And then you had the young up and comer in a Rondo, was never really a star, but he fit with all those other guys that could score. Then the Heat got three. They had Dwayne Wade. They had LeBron James. They added Chris Bosh, and they won two titles. So it was it was like a three star league for a while, and then. When the Warriors got their three stars to go against the Cavs' three stars, it's like one of the misconceptions of it. Like, look, Kevin Love was a, was a perennial All Star. Kyrie Irving went healthy, an All Star, elite level player, and of course LeBron James. Like this idea that the Warriors just like shut it down. And give them, No, what happened was a lot like LeBron in the West, a lot like LeBron in the East. It wasn't just that they were very, very they were the best team. But they were the best team who took the best player from their closest competitor in the West. So it took down the Thunder and added to their strength, much the way that's what happened with the Heat. Now we're in a league where everybody has at most two stars. And I don't think the Bucs need necessarily a second star. The Bucs were built trying to be perfect around Giannis. But what's happened? I think they miss Malcolm Brogdon. I think, you know, Bledsoe is not nearly the shooter, not nearly the leader, not really the as solid a player. Like in a game of one-on-one, or if you said, who can get me more buckets by himself on a given night, Eric Bledsoe would be that guy. But that's not the way it works. You got to play, a, you know, you got to play with and around Giannis. And Malcolm Brogdon is a 50, 40, 90 guy who completely fit Play with Giannis Antetokounmpo. And now what do you have? Now you have Eric Bledsoe, who's a good player, but doesn't fit nearly as well. So I, I watch the NBA, and I'm not bothered by a little trash talk. That's the way it goes. I do think that, that Patrick Beverly is honest and, and is reasonable. Jokic does put a lot of pressure on the refs. Jokic does flail a lot. On the other hand, Pat Beverly, it's not like he's never sold a play before or the Clippers don't flop and do it in their own right. And good for Mike Malone. Like, yeah, look, if it's Kawhi Leonard saying something, fine. Pat Pat Beverly, now I'm not engaging there. What's become a two-star league, the Bucs may not have a second star, but in losing a, 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 a perfect fit at point guard, Malcolm Brogdon, I think, is the biggest thing missing. Jim Jackson is set to join us. I just... You know, Jim obviously is a guy who is a great player, great player. And one of those people that could play in a bunch, bunch of different styles. I just, I, I'm I'm not trying to tell you, I don't like Eric Bledsoe. I just think based upon how the Bucks like to play and giving the ball to Giannis and playing off his penetration, and granted, they're not gonna be able to do that tonight with, if Giannis is out with the ankle, I think that was the mistake. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret.
2: Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession.
5: But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As
3: someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. So I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
6: Jim Jackson joins us on the Doug Gottlieb Show on Fox Sports Radio. It is how much of the heart of the issue with the Bucks is... Bledsoe versus Brogdon, how much of it is just, hey, Giannis has got to be better at shooting the basketball in order to get the most out of his team? You know, I think
10: when think today's game, if you don't have that kind of dynamic point guard, you're going to suffer in regards to late game situations, being able to control tempo. Now, LeBron is an anomaly because he plays the position, and that's what he does. But if you look at the teams that compete, It starts from that backcourt. Now, it's a combination here because with Giannis, because he controls the ball a lot, he is making plays, but not to the extent of a LeBron James. And it's easy to defend him by walling up. And, again, this Miami series is just a tough matchup for them, point-blank period. Bledsoe, on the other hand, in order for him to be effective, he does need the ball in his hands. He needs to be able to control it off the pick and roll in the break to find opportunities to score or to make plays. So that's where the coaching comes in and trying to make adjustments to say time and score. When does Eric need to be effective as contrasting to when do we need to have the ball in Giannis's hand?
6: Um, Okay. So what happens this off season if they lose tonight?
10: I mean, you know, you're going to evaluate it, too, based on regular season, what we've done, but why is it that we've been stuck in the mud, so to speak, once we get to the playoffs? We know what it is when it gets to Giannis, okay? We know how they're going to defend them, but here's here's, here's, the, here's the challenge. What kind of team do you want to build around Giannis is going to be the issue, okay? And how are we going to play that best suits what we do well? Defensively, they're going to have to make some adjustments, I believe, because, They do pack it in, and all year they've given up three-point shots. Maybe that has to be adjusted as well. Offensively, how do we surround Giannis with more perimeter players to keep the court spread? What kind of point guard do we really want if it's not Bledsoe? Who's available in the market? See, all these things got to be evaluated. It's not just one thing. You know, if you're the Milwaukee Bucks, if you happen to not advance. But even if you do advance and come up short – these questions are still there that have to be addressed
6: that's the voice of Jim Jackson he joins us on the Doug Gottlieb show here on Fox Sports radio uh JJ let's l- let's let's look at the other side of that matchup um what's your reaction to what Miami has done like are you surprised that Miami's been able to to handle this like look they the real one really should have won in in regulation obviously overtime got away from them but it, this has been a series they've Pretty much controlled. Does that surprise you? A
10: lot of people don't equate the regular season to the postseason. But this is where different this year, I think you can agree with this, Doug. During the regular season and including the bubble, the Miami was two and one against the Bucks. So you know how it is. Some teams on paper you look at and say, Well, this shouldn't be a game. This this talent this team may be more talented, experience should win it. But Matchups dictate something different. That's Miami. Now, fast forward to the playoffs. You have a young core in Miami that's playing extremely well. Tyler Hero's playing well. You know what I mean? Kendrick Perkins, not so much, but he's finding his niche-bam out of bio. Okay? Duncan Robinson. Imagine this, though. They don't have the challenges or the scrutiny or the pressure to have to go into Milwaukee and play. So now... As a young team, young players, they're not experiencing that. They're in the bubble. So they're just hooping right now. It would be interesting to see how they will respond in the playoffs on the roll in pressure situations when they have to make play. Unfortunately, we won't see that this year. So that's why I'm not surprised that they're able to compete, win, and control this series as opposed to maybe if it was business as usual in the playoffs.
6: Um, the Boston Celtics have a three games to two lead. Obviously, it was it was close to going three games to none. Then they, uh, you know, then you not only lose three but you lose four. Is that series over?
10: Well, never over. Sometimes your injury away, something happens, and you get back into it again. Doug, you know this too. The hardest thing to do in a playoff series is close it out. Okay, the closeout game because you got to be able to come out and match the energy, kind of what Boston did. Early in the game that they just won, to go up, again, the response was great because they came out and took control of the game early. Boston wants to win it. They have to do that in the next game because they can't allow Toronto to get any kind of momentum and any kind of confidence early. If you if you really want to take the Toronto team out, you got to come with that same attitude, make a couple adjustments, and then allow what Brad Stevens offensively and defensively have put together to work but if you don't match that energy early with from Toronto it's going to be a struggle to win that close out game
6: Jim Jackson joining us Doug Gottlieb show here on Fox Sports Trail let's let, let's let's get to the west um we'll start with the clippers did you hear the back and forth between Pat Beverly what he said about um uh, about the, the, the Nuggets and Jokic and what Mike Malone said about Patrick Beverly? <laughs> he
10: said, if it was Kawhi, he'd listen to it.
6: <laughs> I mean, but but like, look, Jokic <laughs> does flop, but they all flop. Like, this is, they, they literally flop. all do it. American, white, black, European, you know, it does They they all do it.
10: It, it was Bruce Boehm was one of the best, the worst to ever do it because he would do it. You know, you love it when he's on your, that player is on your team, but you hate it when he's playing against him. Patrick Beverly can't call out Jokic because he does it too. Patrick is one where in the games we we'll see him step in try to take a charge and he's already falling backwards before he gets hit. I mean, so, but adds a little drama to it. Player, coach going at it. Let's see if there's some drawing the next game they play, but... You know that's that's the, the, the you know the pot calling the kettle black. You know what I mean? Do, do that. you
6: do you think do you think more or less of the Clippers that they kind of slept through that game and then turned it on in the fourth quarter? Yeah,
10: you know what? I, I, honestly, not that I think more or less. I think the break, the will hurt the Clippers more than anybody? You say why? Because all year they never developed any kind of continuity in chemistry because their starting five really didn't play a lot together. You, right there at March and April was where I think that would be more into play where Doc would have this starting line of playing a lot more minutes together. So they developed that going into the playoffs. But this year, guess what happened? Season got stopped. So when they came back to the bubble, they still didn't establish that. So that's why they didn't look good during the seeding games. I thought it was excellent that they had to play the Mavericks in that first round because they were going to get tested. They needed that test. So they're still trying to figure that out because at this point of the season, they don't have the wealth of their starting five having, you know, 40, 50 games together under their belt. So they're going to be inconsistent at times, both offensively and defensively. But when they lock in and they get it together, they're the most talented team in the league, no question.
6: Uh, what, what, where are you on the Lakers?
10: Right where I've always been. If their complimentary players step up, they're hard to beat. They're a lot easier to beat if Danny Green, you know, um, Contavious Cope is not – they're not uh, – Hal Kuzma, they're not knocking down Chef LeBron and AD will be who they are. Okay? But you need those other guys to beat threats. Now, I think they're the team, though, the, that mentally, I think as a group's closeness can weather the storm. Because it, to win this thing, not only do you got to be physically better, but you've got to be mentally, mentally tied into the duration of what it takes to live through the monotony of the bubble. And if you don't have the right leadership, the guys are going to stray away mentally. and It's going to hurt you once you're on the court with LeBron and AD. I don't believe that's going to happen, and that's why the Lakers have an edge from that perspective more than any other
6: team. Mm-hmm. Um, the Westbrook thing is interesting. Like, I feel like the shooting's getting worse, not better.
10: Yeah. But, you know, part of the challenge, though, does think about it. You play point guard. You play point guard your whole life. It's natural to you, right?
6: Yeah.
10: Natural. Westbrook, when, even when he was at UCLA, he wasn't a natural point guard. Uh-uh. So he never really learned the position. Now think about it. He goes to OKC, Scotty Brooks. He doesn't really learn how to play point guard. Okay? He thinks like a scorer. So in times of struggle and duress... He reverts back to being that kind of player, and that hurts Russell from that perspective. You know, a lot of guys. Stevie Francis was like that. Allen Iverson early on battling with Larry Brown, super talented, scores, but not natural at that position. So what happens is, as all, who start to struggle. Now again, people to say, "Well, Steve Francis was a point guard." Yeah, he was a point guard, but his natural thing was to score. He could dime. But from a mental perspective, he wasn't that, I'm going to come down, set up, get guys involved. Rudy T, let him go. Scotty Brooks let Westbrook go. At the time, it feels great. But now later in your career, when you need to make those critical decisions and make the adjustments, it's tougher for Russell to do that because he's played a certain way his whole career. You know what I'm saying?
6: Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I understand. You, can, you can't relearn that. I mean, he's played like power forward some, really, or center almost with them, setting ball screens. Like, they're using him all over the court. And, you know, yeah, changing your mentality to, I'm going to set guys up or I'm going to be a cutter is, is really, really difficult. Um, last thing, Steve Nash well, got the well, job.
10: You know what, though? It, it, yeah. it, and it's not like he doesn't want to pass the ball, but it's sometimes his decision-making on when and how right. and, and stay under control that hurts him. It's not like he's selfish and doesn't want to pass it.
6: No, he does want to pass. He's just, he's not really a creative passer. He he doesn't shoot the ball well and he takes, and he's not, he, I think he should cut more, catch on the cut more and finish. He's actually not a great finisher despite being a great athlete. Like it's, it is interesting that a guy that was so statistically dominant last three years can struggle in these games when, you know, they scout him, they make him shoot and they make him play to his weakness. I want to ask you as a former player, what was your reaction when Steve Nash got the uh, Nets job?
10: I was a teammate of his. I'm not going to say he was my teammate. I was his teammate, okay, when we were in Phoenix. I was happy for Steve. Some of the criticism I think is unfair, but I know where it's stemming from. Uh, His relationship with KD, of course. KD had to sign off on that, okay? So did Sean Marks having a relationship with Sean when Sean was with us in Phoenix. The whole thing about the lack of experience has been plenty of minority coaches that have no experience have gotten the job. The issue is at hand is that those same minority coaches, being black, have not gotten the opportunity to get to coach a team that's kind of championship almost ready. It's always been the lower line teams where a minority coach gets the job and has to try to build it up rather than a job already kind of in place. And I think that's where a lot of the argument or the pushback came from, from my perspective, okay? Okay because Steve has been working around the players and, you know, being a special advisor to golden state. And again, guys have gotten jobs with no experience. Derek Fisher, Jason Kidd, Mark Jackson. We know that, but I think that's the center of the issue is that he's gotten a job where you got Katie Kyrie and the rest of that crew that could potentially compete for a title next year where most minority coaches don't get that opportunity.
6: Um, yeah, but, like, when he got the Nets job, that was right after they – that was they, – they hired him with the Nets for the exact same reason, right? Because you needed somebody that KG and that Paul Pierce would respect. It's, it's actually the exact same team and the exact same scenario. The only difference is Jason Kidd went straight from playing to getting it.
10: But that's the argument that you're going to get when you see this. You see, when, the problem is you can have two things. Two things can be the same. Can be right on both ends. Steve got it because of the relationship that he had.
6: Totally, I completely. KD, agree. KD
10: signed off. So if you want to be mad at somebody, be mad at KD because he didn't want to have a minority coach to coach the team. I don't think, but
6: I, all- I, I think though that, that part of this is, I mean, look, there's, I think there's KD, but I also think there's, they had to figure out, all right, who are we going to get that that Kyrie's going to respect, right? Like you can't. Ime Udoka has been an assistant coach, has been a player in the NBA, but he ain't been a star before, he ain't been a point guard before. Like that ain't gonna, that, that ain't gonna fly, right? Like you gotta get somebody that Kyrie Irving respects and that, that KD swears by and that and has those relationships. And I also think that like in the real world of it, like KD doesn't he doesn't see color, right? Like I I think most NBA guys don't. And they think the rest and the rest of the world does. And it's, be, it's become kind of our default to which racism has to be, has to be a thing. And I don't, I don't know. I mean, maybe it's, you know, I've, I've been in basketball too much and sports too much to where I feel like inside the locker rooms, it's just not really a thing. It's You're a star player. You have a relationship with the, with the GM. You have a relationship with the best player. And that's how you get a job. It has nothing to do with the color of your skin. Well,
10: I'm going to push back on that. I think the guys that you play with and maybe the coach you don't see color, yeah. But when you're dealing with management, you do because you're treated and looked upon a little bit differently. So there's a separation between the two. Because the guys that are owning the teams and how you relate to them, depending on who you are as a player, you still do see that that divide a little bit on that, uh, how, how the relationship is and how you're viewed. Okay, The guys you go to battle with on the court, white, black, Chinese, Mexican, it don't matter. Coach, as long as you put me in a position to be successful and our team to be successful, I don't care if you're from Mars, okay? That's, that's what matters. The separation on the ownership side, I do think there's a color issue. I, I really do because of how situations within NBA, whether that's your contract, how you viewed, how you treat, whatever it may be, I do think there's a divide between management and how you see it with color and different things like that compared to who you're actually on the court with and going to battle with.
6: I don't know. I mean, I, I, got, I got Isaiah Thomas got the job with the Pacers at the time. They had Reggie Miller, who was an old head at the time. Jalen Rose, he kind of in his prime. Al Harrington, Austin Crozier, like that was a good team. And, and then Larry Bird got the job, you know, the exact same job at, after he, and neither had any coaching experience. So I, like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I hear you. Great, great,
10: great point Great points, but I'm seeing what I'm hearing too with people with the argument.
6: No, I'm not but saying here's, that it's the, here's the problem. Here's the here's saying, the saying, can I tell you the, tell you saying, the biggest flaw in that I'm argument?
10: Not saying it's the right
6: thing. I'm I understand. Saying it's the right I'll thing. I'll give you the I'll give you the biggest flaw in that argument, okay? This is the biggest flaw is the hey, it, uh, you, the young the black coaches they don't get a chance to coach the good teams. Guess what? College coaches used to say the exact same t- thing. They used to say cuz remember Billy Donovan turned down he, he accepted Orlando then changed his mind and the big thing was that when it was Lon Kruger or with this uh, Jerry Tarkanian or whomever, like they all took over crummy teams. That's why they couldn't win. Well, guess what? The good teams don't make coaching changes, right? Like nobody's. I mean, I I'll, I'll be interested to see what happens with the Bucks if if they fire uh, Budenholzer, which I don't think will happen. But you know, like Jason Kidd did coach them before. But the 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 point is that if everybody wants to say, well, you, you know, you don't minority coaches don't get a chance to coach those superstar teams, like well, that's not really true. Most. I mean, Doc Rivers, uh, you know, he got a job in Orlando that was a very good team that then fell apart after a Grant Hill's injury. I just – I think the star players, the point guards, the guys who everybody respects, they've always gotten to skip steps because as a point guard, you've always coached the team, and and each job is, is individual. I don't know. I think it's, a, it's, it's more – we're making it out to be more complex than it is. You're right about management, and I think slowly that's changing, although there's like two parts to the management thing – Part of it is, you know, there's this, you know, the D3 nerd guys that are taking over the league. And then there's also former players like an Elton Brand that are getting opportunities.
10: No, it is. And the landscape is changing the way it is. It it, it should evolve. Can we have more ownership? Yeah. But again, like coaches, there's not a lot of teams being sold. Right. So you don't have the opportunity. But when they do come up, like Atlanta, when that came uh, I know Dikembe had a group that came in. Now, Grant Hill is a part of that. Ownership, but he's on the minority side. True ownership. Minnesota is up right now. Kevin Garnett, again, that's a relationship with Glenn Taylor. Will Glenn be willing to sell it to a Kevin Garnett and his lead team? We don't know. But those opportunities are far and few in between. And when yep. you get them, you have to covet it. And that's why you don't have a lot of movement. So, I, trust me, I get what you're saying. There's two sides of the argument every time. But when you talk to a lot of coaches in the industry, people in the industry, these are the things that they point to, right, wrong, or indifferent. Okay, this is, yeah. this, is, this, is, this
6: is the counter to that. Great stuff, Jimmy. Hey, stay safe in there, and thanks so much for joining us. You got it, brother. My man Jim Jackson joined us. Colin Kaepernick is back in the NFL, sort of. Um, all right, so, you know, like, look, let's, uh, Jim Jackson is set to join us. I just, you know, Jim obviously is a guy who is a great player, great player, and one of those people that could play in a bunch, bunch of different styles. I just, I, I'm, I'm not trying to tell you I don't like Eric Bledsoe. I just think based upon how the Bucks like to play and giving the ball to Giannis and playing off his penetration, and granted, they're not going to be able to do that tonight with, if Giannis is out with the ankle. I think that was the mistake. Jim Jackson joins us in the Doug Gottlieb Show on Fox Sports Radio. It is how much of the heart of the issue with the Bucks is Bledsoe versus Brogdon? How much of it is just, hey, Giannis has got to be better at shooting the basketball in order to get the most out of his team?
10: You know, I think in today's game, if you don't have that kind of dynamic point guard, you're going to suffer in regards to late game situations, being able to control tempo. Now, LeBron is an anomaly because he plays the position, and that's what he does. But if you look at the teams that compete, it starts from that backcourt. Now, it's a combination here because with Giannis, because he controls the ball a lot, He is making plays, but not to the extent of LeBron James, and it's easy to defend him by walling up. And, again, this Miami series is just a tough matchup for them, point-blank period. Bledsoe, on the other hand, in order for him to be effective, he does need the ball in his hands. He needs to be able to control it off the pick and roll in the break to find opportunities to score or to make plays. So that's where the coaching comes in and trying to make adjustments to say time and score, when does Eric need to be effective as contrasting to when do we need to have the ball in Giannis's hands?
6: Um, okay, so what happens this offseason if they lose tonight?
10: Well, I, guess, I mean, you you know, You're going to evaluate it, too, based on regular season, what we've done, but why is it that we've been stuck in the mud, so to speak, once we get to the playoffs? We know what it is when it gets to Giannis. OK, we know how they're going to defend them. But here's, 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 the, here's the challenge. What kind of team do you want to build around Giannis is going to be the issue. OK, and how are we going to play that best suits what we do well? Defensively, they're going to have to make some adjustments, I believe, because they do pack it in, in and all year they've given up three-point shots. Maybe that has to be adjusted as well. Offensively, How do we surround Giannis with more perimeter players to keep the court spread? What kind of point guard do we really want if it's not Bledsoe? Who's available in the market? See, all these things got to be evaluated. It's not just one thing. You know, if you're the Milwaukee Bucks, if you happen to not advance. But even if you do advance and come up short, these questions are still there that have to be addressed.
6: That's the voice of Jim Jackson. He joins us on the Doug Gottlieb Show here on Fox Sports Radio. Uh, JJ, let's l- let's let's look at the other side of that matchup. Um, what's your reaction to what Miami has done? Like, are you surprised that Miami's been able to to handle this? Like, look, they the real one really should have won in in regulation. Obviously, overtime got away from them, but it, this has been a series they've pretty much controlled. Does that surprise you? Yeah.
10: A lot of people don't equate the regular season to the postseason, but this is where different this year. I think you can agree with this, Doug. During the regular season and including the bubble, the, Miami was two and one against the Bucks. So you know how it is. Some teams on paper you look at it and say, "Well, this shouldn't be a game. This this talent, this team may be more talented, experience should win it." But matchups dictate something different. That's Miami. Now, fast forward to the playoffs. You have a young core in Miami that's playing extremely well. Tyler Hero's playing well. You know what I mean? Kendrick Perkins, not so much, but he's finding his niche fam out of bio. Okay? Duncan Robinson. Imagine this, though. They don't have the challenges or the scrutiny or the pressure to have to go into Milwaukee and play. So now, as a young team, young players, they're not experiencing that. They're in the bubble. So they're just hooping right now. It would be interesting to see how they will respond in the playoffs on the road in pressure situations when they have to make play. Unfortunately, we won't see that this year. So that's why I'm not surprised that they're able to compete, win, and control this series as opposed to maybe if it was business as usual in the playoffs.
6: Um, the Boston Celtics have a three games to two lead. Obviously, it was, it was close to going three games to none. Then they, uh, you know, then you now lose three, but you lose four. Is that series over?
10: Sometimes you're injury away, something happens, and you get back into it. Again, the, you know this too. The hardest thing to do in a playoff series is close it out. Okay? The closeout game. Because you've got to be able to come out and match your energy, kind of what Boston did. Early in the game that they just won to go up, again, the response was great because they came out and took control of the game early. Boston wants to win it. They have to do that in the next game because they can't allow Toronto to get any kind of momentum and any kind of confidence early. If you, if you really want to take that Toronto team out, you got to come with that same attitude, make a couple adjustments, and then allow what Brad Stevens offensively and defensively have put together to work. But if you don't match that energy early with from Toronto, it's going to be a struggle to win that closeout game.
6: Jim Jackson joining us, Doug Gottlieb show here on Fox Sports Trail. Let, let, let's let's get to the West. Um, we'll start with the Clippers. Did you hear the back and forth between Pat Beverly? What he said about. Um, uh, about the, the, the Nuggets and Jokic and what Mike Malone said about Patrick Beverly? Yeah,
10: he said, if it was Kawhi, he'd listen to
6: it. <laughs> I mean, but, but, like, look, Jokic <laughs> does flop, but they all flop. Like, this is, they, they literally flop. all do it. American, white, black, European, you know, it does They they all do it.
10: it, it was Bruce Boehm was one of the best, the worst to ever do it because he would do it. You know, you love it when he's on your, that player is on your team, but you hate it when he's playing against him. Patrick Beverly can't call out Jokic because he does it too. Patrick is one where in the games we we'll see him step in, try to take a charge, and he's already falling backwards before he gets hit. I mean, so, but adds a little drama to it. Player, coach going at it. Let's see if there's some jawing the next game they play, but... You know that's that's the, the, the you know the pot calling the kettle black. You know what I mean? Do, do that. you
6: do you think do you think more or less of the Clippers that they kind of slept through that game and then turned it on in the fourth quarter?
10: you know what? I, I, honestly, not that I think more or less. I think the break will the, hurt the Clippers more than anybody. You can say why? Because all year they never developed any kind of continuity in chemistry because their starting five really didn't play a lot together. You, right there at March and April was where I think that would be more into play where Doc would have this starting lineup playing a lot more minutes together. So they developed that going into the playoffs. But this year, guess what happened? Season got stopped. So when they came back to the bubble, they still didn't establish that. So that's why they didn't look good during the seeding games. I thought it was excellent that they had to play the Mavericks in that first round because they were going to get tested. They needed that test. So they're still trying to figure that out because at this point in the season, they don't have the wealth of their starting five having, you know, 40, 50 games together under their belt. So they're going to be inconsistent at times, both offensively and defensively. But when they lock in and they get it together, they're the most talented team in the league, no question.
6: Uh, Where are you on the Lakers?
10: Right where I've always been. If their complimentary players step up, they're hard to beat. They're a lot easier to beat if Danny Green, you know, um, Contavious Hope is not – they're not uh, – Hal Kuzma, they're not knocking down Chef LeBron and AD will be who they are. Okay? But you need those other guys to beat threats. Now, I think they're the team, though, the, that mentally, I think, as a group's closeness can weather the storm. Because it, to win this thing, not only do you got to be physically better, but you've got to be mentally, mentally tied into the duration of what it takes to live through the monotony of the bubble. And if you don't have the right leadership, the guys are going to stray away mentally. and It's going to hurt you once you're on the court. With LeBron and AD, I don't believe that's going to happen. And that's why the Lakers have an edge from that perspective more than any other
6: team. Mm-hmm. Um, the Westbrook thing is interesting. Like, I feel like the shooting's getting worse, not better.
10: Yeah. But, you know, part of the challenge, though, Doug, think about it. You play point guard. You play point guard your whole life. It's natural to you, right? Yeah. Natural. Westbrook, when, even when he was at UCLA, he wasn't a natural point guard. Uh-uh. So he never really learned the position. Now, think about it. He goes to OKC, Scotty Brooks. He doesn't really learn how to play point guard. Okay? He thinks like a scorer. So in times of struggle and duress... He reverts back to being that kind of player. And that hurts Russell from that perspective. You know, a lot of guys, Stevie Francis was like that. Allen Iverson early on battling with Larry Brown, super talented, scores, but not natural at that position. So what happens is as long we start to struggle. Now again, people can say, well, Steve Francis was a point guard. Yeah, he was a point guard. But his natural thing was to score. He could dine. But from a mental perspective, he wasn't that, I'm going to come down, set up, get guys involved. Rudy T, let him go. Scotty Brooks let Westbrook go. At the time, it feels great. But now later in your career, when you need to make those critical decisions and make the adjustments, it's tougher for Russell to do that because he's played a certain way his whole career. You know what I'm saying?
6: Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I understand. You, can, you can't relearn that. I mean, he's played like power forward some really or center almost with them, setting ball screens. Like they're using him all over the court. And, you know, yeah, changing your mentality to I'm going to set guys up or I'm going to be a cutter is, is really, really difficult. Um, last thing, Steve Nash well, got the well, job. What,
10: you know what, though? It, it, yeah. it, and it's not like he doesn't want to pass the ball, but it's sometimes his decision-making on when and how right. and, and stay it under control that hurts him. It's not like he's selfish and doesn't want to pass it.
6: No, he does want to pass. He's just, he's not really a creative passer. He, he doesn't shoot the ball well and he takes, and he's not, he, I think he should cut more, catch on the cut more and finish. He's actually not a great finisher despite being a great athlete. Like it's, it is interesting that a guy that was so statistically dominant last three years can struggle in these games when, you know, they scout him, they make him shoot and they make him play to his weakness. I want to ask you as a former player, what was your reaction when Steve Nash got the uh, Nets job?
10: I was a teammate of his. I'm not going to say he was my teammate. I was his teammate, okay, when we were in Phoenix. I was happy for Steve. Some of the criticism I think is unfair, but I know where it's stemming from. His relationship with KD, of course. KD had to sign off on that, okay? So did Sean Marks, having a relationship with Sean when Sean was with us in Phoenix. The whole thing about the lack of experience has been plenty of minority coaches that have no experience have gotten the job. The issue is at hand is that those same minority coaches, being black, have not gotten the opportunity to get to coach a team that's kind of championship almost ready. It's always been the lower line teams where a minority coach gets the job and has to try to build it up rather than a job already kind of in place. And I think that's where a lot of the argument or the pushback came from, from my perspective, okay, 'Cause Steve has been working around the players and, you know, being a special advisor to Golden State. And again, guys have gotten jobs with no experience. Derek Fisher, Jason Kidd, Mark Jackson. We know that. But I think that's the center of the issue is that he's gotten a job where you got KD, Kyrie, and the rest of that crew that could potentially compete for a title next year, where most minority coaches don't get that opportunity.
6: Um yeah, but, like, when he got the Nets job, that was right after they – they, they hired him with the Nets for the exact same reason, right? Because you needed somebody that KG and that Paul Pierce would respect. It's, it's actually the exact same team and the exact same scenario. The only difference is Jason Kidd went straight from playing to getting it.
10: But that's the argument that you're going to get when you see this. You see, when, the problem is you can not have two things. Two things can be the same. Can be right on both ends. Steve got it because of the relationship that he had.
6: Totally. I completely KD, agree.
10: KD signed off. So if you want to be mad at somebody, be mad at KD because he didn't want to have a minority coach to coach the team. I don't so think, but
6: I, all- I I, think though that, that part of this is, I mean, look, there's, I think there's KD, but I also think there's, they had to figure out, all right, who are we going to get that, that Kyrie's going to respect, right? Like you can't, Ime Udoka has been an assistant coach, has been a player in the NBA, but he ain't been a star before, he ain't been a point guard before. Like, that ain't gonna that that ain't gonna fly, right? Like, you gotta get somebody that Kyrie Irving respects and that, that KD swears by and that has those relationships. And I also think that like in the real world of it, like KD doesn't he doesn't see color, right? Like I I think most NBA guys don't. And they think the rest and the rest of the world does. And it's, be, it's become kind of our default to which racism has to be, has to be a thing. And I don't – I don't know. I mean, maybe it's – you know, I've, I've been in basketball too much and sports too much to where I feel like inside the locker rooms it's just not really a thing. It's – you're a star player. You have a relationship with the, with the GM. You have a relationship with the best player. And that's how you get a job. It has nothing to do with the color of your skin. Well,
10: I'm going to push back on that. I think the guys that you play with and maybe the coach you don't see color – yeah. But when you're dealing with management, you do because you're treated and looked upon a little bit differently. So there's a separation between the two. Because the guys that are owning the teams and how you relate to them, depending on who you are as a player, you still do see that that divide a little bit on that uh, how how the relationship is and how you're viewed. Okay, The guys you go to battle with on the court, white, black, Chinese, Mexican, don't matter. Coach, as long as you put me in a position to be successful and our team to be successful, I don't care if you're from Mars, okay? That's, that's what matters. The separation on the ownership side, I do think there's a color issue. I, I really do because of how situations within NBA, whether that's your contract, how you are viewed, how you treat, whatever it may be, I do think there's a divide between management and how you see it with color and different things like that compared to who you're actually on the court with and going to battle with.
6: I don't know. I mean, I, I got I got Isaiah Thomas got the job with the Pacers at the time. They had Reggie Miller, who was an old head at the time. Jalen Rose, kind of in his prime. Al Harrington, Austin Crozier, like that was a good team. And, and then Larry Bird got the job. You know, the exact same job at, after he and neither had any coaching experience. So I like wait, I wait, wait. hear you. Great,
10: great point. Great points. But I'm saying what I'm hearing too with people with the argument.
6: No. I'm saying here's, that it's the, here's the problem. Here's I'm the here's saying, the saying, can I tell you the, tell you saying, the biggest flaw in that I'm argument?
10: Not saying it's the right
6: thing. I'm I understand. Saying it's the right I'll thing. I'll give you the I'll give you the biggest flaw in that argument, okay? This is the biggest flaw is the hey, it, uh, you, the young the black coaches they don't get a chance to coach the good teams. Guess what? College coaches used to say the exact same t- thing. They used to say cuz remember Billy Donovan turned down, he, he accepted Orlando then changed his mind and the big thing was that when it was Lon Krueger or with this uh, Jerry Tarkanian or whomever, like they all took over crummy teams. That's why they couldn't win. Well, guess what? The good teams don't make coaching changes, right? Like nobody's. I mean, I I'll, I'll be interested to see what happens with the Bucks if, if they fire uh, Budenholzer, which I don't think will happen. But you know, like Jason Kidd did coach them before. But the the, the point is that if everybody wants to say, well, you, you know, you don't minority coaches don't get a chance to coach those superstar teams, like well, that's not really true. Most, I mean, Doc, Doc Rivers. Uh, I, you know, uh, he got a job in Orlando that was a very good team that then fell apart after a Grant Hill's injury. I just I think the star players, the point guards, the guys who everybody respects, they've always gotten to skip steps because as a point guard, you've always coached the team. And and each job is, is individual. I don't, I don't know. I think it's a, it's it's more we're making it out to be more complex than it is you're right about management. And I think slowly that's changing, although there's like two parts to the management thing. Um, part of it is, you know, there's this, you know, the D3 nerd guys that are taking over the league. And then there's also former players like an Elton Brand that are getting opportunities.
10: No, it is. And the landscape is changing the way it is. It it, it should evolve. Can we have more ownership? Yeah. But again, like coaches, there's not a lot of teams being sold. Right. So you don't have the opportunity, but when they do come up, like Atlanta, when that came up, I know Dikembe had a group that came in. Now Grant Hill is a part of that. Ownership, but he's on the minority side. Yeah. True ownership. Minnesota is up right now. Kevin Garnett, again, that's a relationship with Glenn Taylor. Will Glenn be willing to sell it to a Kevin Garnett and his lead team? We don't know. But those opportunities are far and few in between. And when yep. you get them, you have to covet it. And that's why you don't have a lot of movement. So, I, trust me, I get what you're saying. There's two sides of the argument every time. But when you talk to a lot of coaches in the industry, people in the industry, these are the things that they point to, right, wrong, or indifferent. Okay. This
6: is, yeah. this is this is this is the counter to that. Great stuff, Jimmy. Hey, stay safe in there, and thanks so much for joining us. You got it, brother. My man Jim Jackson, join us. Colin Kaepernick is back in the NFL, sort of. I'll explain. the first, few words from Farmers. You get a whole lot of something with Farmers policy perks. So much, I'm going to have to speed things up. <gasps> you can get new
3: car replacement. So if your car is totaled, Farmers will pay to replace it with a new one of the same make and model. Like reuniting with an old friend with the
2: added benefit of that new car smell. So it's really new car and new car smell replacement. <sighs> Get a whole lot of something with farmers policy perks. Start with a quote by calling one 800 Farmers.
8: We are farmers.
2: Bum, 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 bum. Now for the legal something.
5: Optional coverage not available in every state, only available with Select Farmers branded Policy subject to terms and conditions underwritten by Farmers truck and Fire Insurance Exchanges or Affiliate. I'm Diosa.
1: And I'm Mala. We're the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying a, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio, season nine. Love, Love at and first listen. listen.
2: Avito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael.
0: To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie, because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
3: The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world.